Hey everyone, this is Jason Shepard, and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast by M0A.com, where a good pilot is always learning. You're flying on an instrument approach in IMC conditions and you lose your radio or radios. What is the best way to continue this flight or continue this approach? Hey everyone, Jason Shepard here of M0A.com and you're listening to the Instrument Pilot Podcast brought to you by our number one rated online ground school, groundschoolacademy.com. Check it out for yourself. Complete private instrument, commercial pilot, online ground school, especially in the instrument course alone. I shoot the approaches in a standard six pack and I shoot the same approaches again in a G1000 just to show you the differences and really to appeal to everyone because I truly believe that I know G1000, obviously glass panel is the way of the future, but that's not for everybody. Not everybody learns differently. Everybody's trained differently. Not everybody has access to that kind of aircraft. So we do our best to really appeal to everyone. And honestly, it's a benefit for you to, there's two ILS videos in there. Watch the standard six pack and watch the G1000. Regardless of which aircraft you're actually flying, just watch them both because you'll get little nuances from each, different different controllers, different approach segments, everything else just to make it so neat. But anyways, groundschoolacademy.com if you want to check that out, learn more, and become a member. Something to share here, by the way. Um, our online ground school has grown so much. We're in the process. Our commercial pilot online ground school is done, and our CFI online ground school will be done shortly. So do be checking that out. Today's topic, by the way, is IFR lost comm procedures, really communication emergencies. And we break it down into a very simple acronym for you. Now, when you know the acronym, you can apply it to any scenario. So I'm going to give you the acronym, then I'm going to give you a scenario, and we're going to work through this together. And all this really brings us home to this idea of aeronautical decision making. This whole theme as we've moved to ACS and everything else is going to continue to reign through this entire podcast and podcasts to come obviously as well. But hear me on this. Let's start with our acronym. Our acronym is AVENUE, A-V-E-F. So AVENUE, F, space MEA because MEA is, is still related but different. It relates to our altitude. Very easy to remember MEA since that's a already an IFR altitude acronym to begin with. Avenue F MEA is the acronym. Now the first portion, the A in Avenue is for assigned. The V is for vectored. The E is for expected and the F is for filed. Now, that's how it relates to our route, okay? You are to fly that route based on what you were last assigned, your last assigned heading, vectored. If nothing was assigned to you, fly your last vector that you were given. Expected, if no vector was given to you, fly what was expected in your clearance. And then finally, filed. Fly what you actually Filed. And let me stop here for a second because this is so important here. In IFR flying, you should never file just to an airport for this exact case. You should never just file from 
Ocala to the Jacksonville airport, whatever it may be, you should always file to a fix on an approach like an ILS or a GPS approach of the runway they're using that day and then to the Jacksonville airport. Here is why. Because if you go through this sequence here, and let's just say you are IFR from here to Jacksonville and you just file IFR from here to Jacksonville, you get as filed, whatever it may be, and what you filed is just direct, let's say, or Victor 441 direct, whatever it may be. I lose my radio communications halfway in between here and there. It's true IFR conditions. I, I go to my Avenue F MEA acronym. It's the Avenue F part we're most interested to start. Assigned. What was I last assigned? Okay, well, it's not like they turned, told me, hey, you know, you're assigned this heading. What was I last vectored? Was I given a vector? No, I wasn't. What was I told to expect? Was I told to, hey, expect a 200 heading in one zero minutes? I wasn't expecting anything. Lastly, you go to what you filed. Well, what did I file? I just filed Ocala Direct Jacksonville. But Jacksonville is 400 foot overcast right now. I can't go just to Jacksonville. So the controllers know that I'm going to shoot an approach. They know I've lost comms, but they have no idea which approach I'm going to shoot, how I'm going to vector myself to it, what's my initial going to be, what's my final going to be. They have no idea. All that Jacksonville approach can do is clear the airspace because there's an airplane coming in and we can't talk to them. So now we delay everybody else around us, right? I mean, granted, we have a bona fide emergency, certainly in the situation, we deserve that priority, but it's nice that the controllers can have some heads up and somewhat know your intentions in this case. Always file to a fix on an approach and then to that airport. So that's the Avenue F portion of this. Now, for altitude, we're told to fly the highest of the following in our MEA acronym. Very easy to remember because the M in MEA is just that, our real MEA, our minimum in route altitude. The E is expected altitude or the A is our assigned altitude. Fly the highest of the following the minimum in route altitude, the expected altitude, or the assigned altitude. So what's the MEA for that route you're flying? Were you told to expect an altitude? Like on in our clearances, we hear it all the time, climb, maintain 2,000, expect 6,010 minutes after departure. That's an expected altitude, right? I would, after one zero minutes, I'd go to that altitude, right? The highest of that expected altitude or an assigned altitude. So that's how it really follows, to fly the highest of those. Now, this is again the problem of just fly, flying straight to or filing straight to Jacksonville. Well, I'm to, I was told expect 6,000, so I bump up to 6,000, but when do, I was told to fly the highest of that. Do I ever fly Jacksonville at 6,000? When can I start down to get to my altitudes to hit the initial approach fix? You see, you really leave yourself hanging and having to scramble and make up some of that work when you could have done it already ahead of time. Let's go through a real world scenario here together. Let's say we're flying to Gainesville, another airport north of where I'm at in Ocala, and we receive the following clearance. You're cleared to the Ocala Airport via Victor 441 to Gators. That's a, a VOR, an intersection. 
then as filed. Cleared the Ocala Airport via Victor 441 to Gators, then as filed. Climb maintain 3,000, expect 6,000, one zero minutes after departure. Now, shortly before takeoff, the tower tells you, hey, turn right heading 210, clear for takeoff, runway 14. Now, lots happened there, but that, how real world is that? Like every time, right? We get an amendment to our clearance, and then we're holding short, awaiting our IFR release, and then all of a sudden, tower comes in and says, hey, turn right heading 210, clear for takeoff, runway 14. And they kind of give you something extra. That was given to us, right? We were, we were assigned that. So that's an assigned turn right heading 210. That's an assigned heading off the bat. They didn't say expect it. Clearance did say expect 6,000, one zero minutes after departure. Now let's say we take off and enter IFR conditions at 500 feet. No big deal. After four minutes of flying, you experience a communications failure. Your altitude is 2,500 feet. Your heading is 210. The MEA along your route is 5,000 feet. What would you do in this situation? I'll read all that again so you can think through it here. Clear to the Ocala Airport via Victor 441 to Gators, then is filed. Climb maintain 3,000, expect 6,000, one zero minutes after departure. You're holding short. You're waiting your IFR release. All of a sudden, tower tells you turn right heading 210, runway 14, clear for takeoff. All right. We enter IFR conditions at 500 feet. After four minutes of flying, we experience a loss of communication. I'm at 2,500 feet. My heading's 210. The MEA along my route is 5,000. What would you do? Let's break it down into our Avenue F MEA. A, we were assigned heading 210, so we'll continue to fly that. V, okay, in, in our limited communication with the controllers, we never received any radar vectors, did we? E, expected, our clearance instructed us to fly Victor 441 to Gators, then as filed. I was told to expect that, right? And then F, filed, after that, we fly, after we fly what was expected, we'll fly what we filed, which hopefully we filed to, you know, an intersection, uh, to initial approach fix, to a final approach fix on that actual instrument approach. So we'll continue to fly 210 until we intercept Victor 441, proceed to the Gators VOR. Upon reaching Gators, we'll continue as filed, which, you know, is direct wherever we're going to after that. Now, what about our altitude? Remember, we want to fly the highest of our minimum in route altitude, which was 5,000. Our expected altitude, which was 6,010 minutes after, is given in our clearance or our assigned. I, don't, I didn't hear us being assigned an altitude. Assigned a heading, but not assigned an altitude. So we'll do that at 6,000 feet. Does that make sense? I know it's a lot, and it's hard when you can't actually see it. If, the, if I was writing that down in front of you and you could see the numbers, it would make a little bit more sense, so I apologize for that. But you, you get the gist of it. Just work your way through the acronym. But do you see the importance of filing to a fix, filing to that initial or final approach fix so everyone kind of knows where you're going and what your intentions are? You can always cancel it, amend it, ask for direct, ask for a visual, you know, assume everything is great. But let's let's even take a step further back as to why might we lose radio communications? And that's one thing I didn't mention, um, and obviously it needs to be mentioned, is what would we squawk in this situation? I would squawk 7600, right? But there's one fault of squawking 7600. Think back to your systems days. What 
is most likely going to be the cause of a lost communications procedure, you know, to, to execute this. Why would you most likely lose radios? Well, the most likely case is an alternator failure. You know, alternators, I mean, if you look at most of them, they're, I mean, the warranty on them is, oh, they're good for 500, 600 hours. After that, it's just your, your it's just a matter of time, right? I've gotten 600 hours out of an alternator. I've gotten 1,000 hours out of an alternator. I've gotten, geez, one, unfortunately, recently, only lasts like 250 hours, it seemed like. That's just how the game works sometimes. You lose that alternator. Maybe you don't pick up on it, and you've got 30, 45 minutes until that battery is just gone. But this is the problem. You can squawk 7600 lost communications procedures all you want, but your squawk is going to fall on deaf ears, right? Because your transponder is not going to work either now, is it? Until we start, and there are some on the market, you know, battery backup transponders that have a tiny battery just to, to buy you a little bit more time to last. We still have that, right? But still, you think of it, if you lose everything, well, no one's going to be able to know what's wrong. And then what else do you lose with it? Will you have the ability to, to fly to where you want to go if you also lose GPS? That, that 430 goes down, that 530, that 750, whatever you're using as that primary means of navigation, you also lose that in the alternator failure. Then what happens? You see what I'm saying here? The, the only likely case of squawking 7600 where it's very much applicable would be I have an electrical fire and I just lose COM1 and COM2 or I only have a COM1 and COM1 just spazzes out or just breaks or a wire falls off the bat. Who knows what happens, but I lose the one and only radio I had, but my transponder still works. There's, there's few and far between you know, situations where that applies. It's more likely we kind of lose everything because of an alternator issue or a total electrical system failure type of issue. You understand what I'm saying? So in that case, I mean, in, in IFR conditions, losing radios it is absolutely, especially if it's a situation where it's like an alternator failure in IFR conditions, absolutely. Uh, you get, you can't declare an emergency, but you sure need to act like it's an emergency because although you can't physically declare it, um, you need to do whatever it takes to get that airplane down safely. But that's why it starts with filing to initial approach fix, a final approach fix. So you give, ATC will give you priority all day, trust me. They would just like to have a little heads up of where you're going to be going. So think about that. Listen, thank you so much for listening to not only this podcast, but the private, the commercial, the CFI podcast. We're turning out four podcasts a week now, private through CFI, one for each, on top of our YouTube videos, on top of our Facebook videos, on top of we do a webinar every Monday night with our online ground school members, all the Facebook lives you saw last week, we turn out a lot of content, a lot of it uh, free of charge for you just to help make you all safer, smarter pilots, knowing that that will come back to benefit us one of these days. And if you love our free stuff, imagine how good the online ground school is, the content you actually pay for. Uh, just awesome stuff. So listen, enjoy the rest of your day. And most importantly, remember that a good pilot is always learning. Have a great day, guys. See ya.